Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by the one and only Mr. Johnny Larks. How are you, Johnny? Pretty good, pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Getting there. It's been a big, big week at work, but had a nice day off today. I've been watching some American football. Ready to dive in. Just an AFLW recap. What about yourself? Just work. Just work myself and, yeah, not, not, not much else. Pretty cruisy, cruisy day, cruisy weekend. All the good stuff. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, Well, let's not waste any time here, Johnny. We've got a lot to get into. We're going to start off with our Cats v Power Week 4 AFLW recap. So we'll download all of our thoughts on that into your sweet ear holes. And then for the Patreon subscribers, we're going to jump behind the old paywall, $3.50 US per month if you want to jump behind with us. Uh, To do our month in review, we're going to look back at the first four games of Geelong's AFLW season, just give some broad reflection on how we feel about the first month, what we've learned, what we might like to see moving forward, all that sort of good stuff. So let's jump in, Johnny, to the game itself. The Cats travelled over to Alberton Oval in Adelaide off the back of a really frustrating week three uh, result against North Melbourne. The Cats had led early in that game, had led big at half time, but not big enough. The Ruse stormed back, held Geelong goalless in the second half, and North Melbourne overrunning the Cats for the sixth time in six games. So, a bit of disappointment for the Cats in what was one of their first big challenges of the season. So, how would they respond? They responded pretty emphatically. Johnny, they had. Uh, seven goals on the board before Port Adelaide finally added a major of their own. Um, the Cats had raced out to a massive lead. It was 46 yep. to 10 at half time, uh, And they really did do as they please in that first half. And we we're interested to see what would occur in the second half of the game. And, there was a bit of a familiar feeling as, as Port managed to wrestle some of the momentum, uh, you know, the, the game back onto their terms. They started to win more of the ball around the clearances, win a bit more contested footy. We can get into some specific stats around that shortly. But Port Adelaide, ultimately, they, they win the second half, 32 to 24. The Cats ultimately doing enough. Uh, to run out 11-4-70 to 5-12-42 win- winners. Johnny, it's a third win in four games, but what did you feel yep. watching it? How did you feel coming away from the game? Uh, pretty pretty good watching it. I thought the, the team looked on early on, and the that fade that did come wasn't as pronounced as it has been against the Swans. and. North Melbourne, it didn't feel as horrendous as those two games. I felt they were able to really wrestle that momentum back and play a pretty even contest after halftime. So 
even though Port Adelaide did win it, I did think it was a, a big step in the right direction that they just didn't let Port Adelaide dictate how the game played. They still had a big say in how the game went and got some good goals, crucial goals at important times in that second half and just felt like they held Port Adelaide at arm's length once they'd done the damage in that first half. Just like, what well, we've done the most amount of damage we can at the moment. Let's just cruise on through the rest of this game and just keep him at arm's length, which I didn't mind. I thought it was a, a good a good win, a well-managed win. Everyone looked to be playing really good football. Um, yeah, I came around pretty, came away pretty happy. Like everything they, they everything that we sort of asked them to try and remedy and fix, they, I feel like they did. I feel like they really did work mm-hmm. on a few issues of the of the team, and so it, it came out, it came away really positive, positive feeling, and yeah, mm. pretty pretty happy, and a, a pretty solid win as well. Another good win. Um, to put in the bag, get our percentage back up a bit, get back up into that. I think we're back in the top four now, which is <clears throat> really good for the Cats team. Hang on, let's let's see that ladder. Mm. Where are we? Where are we? So just outside <laughs> the top four. Just outside the yeah, top okay. four. So, yeah, like, yes, it, it was still had that bit of a fade, but as I said, we didn't let it get the better of better of them this time around and they're able to really wrestle back that momentum and yes it was against Port Adelaide uh, another expansion team but it didn't feel the same as it went against Sydney where they just got all the momentum and ran away nearly ran away with a, a victory if they kicked a bit straighter but yeah that's what they worked on it this week yeah, it was an interesting one, like watching it. Another game reminded me so much of the game against the Swans in that it was like, geez, you could pick your own score here, like whatever you want. Mm. You could probably have it, you know, when you open up with the first seven goals of the game. I think it's probably natural both for the team to uh, not – take the foot off the gas, but the you're up 46 to whatever uh, at the half, 46 to 10. You know, Port, Mel, uh, Port Adelaide aren't coming back. You know, they, they might respond, but you've got, you know, a six-goal cushion. You you were going to win the game. Right. You know, that, that's what it simply boils down to. So while, you know, it's, it's totally understandable, I think, that, you know, the Cats – we talked about it in the men's at times this year, you know, when they were on a five game winning streak and, you know, maybe not absolutely eviscerating teams, but just doing what they needed to do, then throttling back a little bit. Uh, I think it makes sense. Uh, I think probably where the, the sort of edginess for cats fans comes from is the game against North, you know, third quarters have yep. been an issue for the team this year. And it, it, it was that way again, you know, we minus six in clearances uh, in the third term and, you know, Port probably unable to hurt us as much uh, in that third term as other teams might be able to. They kick two goals, three. I suppose that's the lingering sort of fear for Cats fans, you know, particularly yep. with the D's on the horizon. Like that's another massive test coming up. but. You sort of understand it 
Um, I thought we spread the ball really well, Johnny. Like, despite losing yeah, appearances yeah. 31 to 23, we had 163 uncontested possessions and 53 marks to 85 uncontested possessions and 24 marks. Um, were you happy with how we moved the ball um, this week? Yeah, it seemed really, really nice, clean use of the, the ball and the handball. And yeah, just and seemed to be able to evade the Port Adelaide tackles a bit. A bit more, a bit, we felt a bit more free than what we did against North Melbourne, which was another good, good way to, good thing for the team. Um, yeah, I think the ball movement definitely got improved. It's still, the only issue is still when the other team gets that momentum, you can still just get that sense that the cats are like, well, we've got to get this ball moving a bit faster and a bit quicker. And they're still doing a, a few key kicks here and there, which, aren't really well directed or to a bit of an out number, out number, especially coming out of defence that I found this week. Coming out of defence, there was a lot of one Cats played against two, three, Port Adelaide. And I think that's a, a thing that other teams seem to be going for against the Cats is just outnumbering us maybe a bit, bit better than what we outnumber them. But when we do get it on our terms and do play the way we want to play it's pretty good it's pretty electric it's it's fast moving very clean very efficient and you know great marking overhead i thought the marking this week was really effective and yes yeah, if we can just play like that for an extra quarter especially in that third quarter we could really put teams away pretty quickly and effectively it's just maintaining that level of efficiency and it would be hard it is getting hotter you know it's not played in the winter time there's a lot less interchanges in this game than the men's game so tightness does take a massive effect and you can see that definitely mm. so that's one thing the cats just need to work on but i said if if that gets fixed the and the presence a bit further down especially for the midfield you know flowing back four to help out the defence and a relieving kick, you know, it's, it's not going to take much for them to be a real premiership contending team this year. It's just a few tweaks they've got to work on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting when you look at the scoring, like the first half of games this season, the Cats have outscored opponents 21-10, 136 to 317-35. So we're up 101 points collectively on our opponents in the first four games in the first half. But so that second half that evens out a little bit more, the Cats have kicked 13-11-89 in the second half to 13-18-96. So they're down by seven points in total on the second half of games this season. And, And really the biggest disparity comes in the first and third quarters. Geelong in the first quarter this season, 14 goals, 488 to seven behinds to their opponents. So they're up 81 points on the season in first quarters. But in third terms, the Cats have managed five goals, 636 to 9963. So down 27 points in the third quarter. And while that hasn't hurt us against the Bulldogs, the Swans, the power, all three of who are most likely not playing finals this season. It has hurt us against 
like a fellow top four contender in North Melbourne. And yeah. I, I think that is where the, there'll be some concern. Like the, the, the power kicked, um, well, they kicked two goals, eight, was it? Four goals, eight. It was four goals, eight in the second half. Uh, two of those behinds were rushed, but six were, were missed shots at goal. So four goals, eight uh, to four goals straight. Nice rhyme there. After half time. Oh, yes. Um, do you think, uh, what did you think about the functioning of the forward line in terms of how we entered inside 50 um, in this game? Were you happy with the kicking inside 50, like the delivery inside 50 against the power? Um. Yeah, there's some good good kicks, some really nice directed kicks to Chloe Shear and Jackie Parry. It's they're still just not just not clunking those marks that they probably should take. But then other times it was just that sort of hack kick inside fifty, put the defense their defense under pressure. Um, so yeah, sort of a bit of a mixed bag this week. It could it could have been better if the play the forwards clunked a few more of those good marks, but. You know, it's, it happens, so fairly happy um, with it. Could have, I think still could be a bit better going inside 50, and I think that goes across mm. a lot of AFL team, AFL double teams at the moment. If kicking inside 50 seems to be a bit high and just mm. kick and hope, but when the Cats do, as I said, when the Cats are on and they are playing that really nice brand of football, you know, play as well, looks really good. Their the kicks, kicks inside 50 are really hard mm. ones to defend. Like a couple of Chloe Shear, Chloe Shear was, was able to take were down low, right to her chest. No one's going to be able to defend that. Mm. And you can tell it's when they're on, everything just seems to be clicking really nicely. They're, they're kicking from defence, midfield, midfield to attack. It's all really good, mm. really well directed. It's just that other part of the game where the pressure's on a bit, they're maybe rushing, maybe thinking they just need to get a goal. Mm. Rushing, yeah. their minds are rushing a bit, just going, oh, we've got to get out of this situation as quick as we can. Um, so, yeah, if, if they can just work on that, work on the not panicking as, well, I wouldn't say panicking, but not rushing as much as they do, then a lot of things would be fantastic. But... Yeah, as I said, the, when we're on the run, we're on, and the kicks inside 50 are really good. But when there's that momentum slowly shifting away from the cats, it's that's where it sort of goes away a bit. It sort of goes into that long, high kicks inside 50, mm. not really directed to sheer or parry. Mm. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, like, these games because part of me leans into the positive of well for, I'll, I'll go with the negative first the, the the first part is you know we, we've said right from week one we're like we feel like we're moving into that window where you're really contending and yep. you know you're one of the best four five sides in the comp and if you're one of the best four or five you should be you know really firmly considering yourself as being in a in a window to win flags um and so you know second halves where you you know fade out a little bit 
which has happened the last three games now. I think we only won the mm. second half against the Swans by two points. We lost the second half against the Kangaroos, and that led to us losing the game. We lost this second half against Port. But, you know, you can't overlook the fact that we've outscored teams 88-7 to in the first quarter this season. Like, much of the work has been done. Um, and, and, you know, part of being a contending team is banking wins. This is, yep. yes, they're two expansion teams, but they're two expansion teams on the road, you know, in, in stadiums that had, you know, good vocal home support. So so that sort of stuff, to, to be three and one after the first month and maybe looking at it going, probably haven't played consistently our best footy and yet, you know, have come away with, you know, whatever 40-odd point win, over the Dogs, uh, 30-odd point win. I think it was 28, 29 or something against the Swans. You know, then the 28-point win over the Power and a close loss at home to the Kangaroos in a game where we really faded. There is lots to be optimistic about. I suppose it's just a unique position for us covering this AFLW yes. Cats team where we're really now in a phase where we feel like they're good enough that you can nitpick. They're good enough that you can look at every little detail of the performance because the expectations are that much higher. Uh, would like to get your Mr. thoughts, Johnny. Yeah, go go for it. Did you have something else you were going to add? No, no, no. no. It's just absolutely I launch into another question. Agreeing with you on the, that's, that ground. Mm. I feel like that forward line in terms of the, the three big weapons, Jacqueline Parry, Chloe Shear, and Ashling Maloney, um, I feel like that is going to be absolutely dynamite, especially when you think about the fact yep. that we haven't even got Shelly Scott playing at the moment. Um, I feel like Ashling Maloney continues to show signs, like 14 touches, oh, yes. a couple of marks, a tackle, and I think a goal assist as well for Ashling Maloney. Um, Oh, no, I was wrong there. I don't know what I was looking at there. But um, point being, Johnny, I feel like, I mean, speak about any of those three if you want, Parry, Shear, Maloney. But I know I, I specifically was excited a few times by some some of the things that Ashling Maloney is doing just four games into her AFLW career. Oh, yeah, that was um, some really, really fun things she did. <laughs> And the way she's just able to cleanly pick up that ball with very looks like very little effort and still keep moving at a very high speed and then evade players is something special. And her kick, she's got a really good long <coughs> long kick, which she would have got from Gaelic football. So yeah, it's it's she's each week you can see she's getting that little bit more confidence every single game she plays, getting better each game. Um, and yeah, just the ability to go from the ground ball straight up and running. And sometimes it looks like she's on ice skates out there. She's that clean and efficient with her movement. It's pretty, pretty exciting to watch, but you don't see many players with her skill set, um, from Ireland coming over and doing some of the things she's doing. And all she needs to do now is start kicking some goals and taking some marks because it's not far away. It's not far, but she's tall, she's strong, and she's fantastic at the below the knees. Everything you want mm. for a good foundation of a, a superstar of this game. 
And she, and the thing that I love too is her vision. Like when you went and watched some of her games, I watched a couple of games of uh, the Tipperary ladies Gaelic football team. Um, and, you know, something you saw when she was playing, you know, her, you know, the sport she's grown up playing in Gaelic football, you know, the creativity and vision, you know, where she could get yep. the ball and duck and weave, make space for herself, then, you know, either take on a shot herself or if she could see, you know, a teammate in better position, you know, able to distribute the ball to them really cleverly. And, you know, that doesn't always necessarily cross over immediately when they make a jump from one code to another, but I feel like it really has. Like there haven't been very many times where I thought Ashling Maloney has looked confounded or, you know, confused or confuddled, mm. uh, befuddled, um, you know, when she's got the ball and she has to make a decision and, and, and you know, not all play, even players who have grown up playing, you know, footy, when it's time to step up from VFLW into the AFLW, from the VFL men's into the AFL men's like you can sometimes see that decision making suddenly come into question and i just don't feel like you see that with with ashling maloney she's she's so switched on and clever um yeah and i feel like getting playing a forward line with players like sheer and parry and i feel like parry's i feel like parry now has such a specific role like when the yes lead for the ball and we'll try and hit you on the chest but also you know, jump for those contested marks. Uh, like that seems to be a massive part of what they want her to do. Um, you know, she had another contested mark in this game. Uh, she managed to kick two goals, two. So she's got four scoring shots, as many scoring shots as Chloe Shear, And she also had a goal assist. Um, but Johnny, Chloe Shear is on a different level this year. And she looks like, yeah. uh, I think by my count, she's already got 11 goals. Um, this season well on her way to going 20 plus like what were your thoughts on her fourth game of the year oh just really fantastic just one of those classic full forward big body players Mm. just kick it to me i'll mark it and i'll kick to goal and she got some good as i said a couple of really ripping marks down low just before it hit the ground got body right behind it and and got the marks and I think she also got a couple of snaps or at least one snap in there as well. Hmm. Yeah, just yeah. one of those just those games where you can see Parry and Shear after playing one season together and then coming this year having a full preseason, like a very long preseason, working out who's gonna do what in the forward line. You can really see they've got that dynamic going and know what each other's game plan is. That's sort of mm. It's very similar to Cameron and Hawkins. Like, if you get Parry, who's the bit more athletic one, who's going to jump for those big marks and go up the ground a little bit further. And then you've got Parry, uh, Shear, who's going to hang in that goal square and just, just demand it. And demand a ball either be kicked to her or she's going to create a distraction for Parry to get, get free. And eventually, Maloney, she's going to really start getting a lot more switched on and how those two work and she'll work her way into seeing where she fits in and then she'll be another mm. one of those players that's just going to fit into that forward line and make it really dangerous because it's pretty dangerous at the moment and just with mm. Parry and Shear working so well together 
and knowing what each other's about. And then once Maloney gets that confidence and footy footy smarts or footy IQ really clicking, mm. and it's going to be pretty potent. And we still, as you say, we've still got um, Shelley Scott to come back in. Shelley Scott. Who's another absolute beast of a player. She's like a, a hybrid between Parry and Sheer. Mm. She's strong but tall and can leap and kick very far. So, yeah, I think that forward line too. is singing. <laughs> oh, yes, very clever. And long sleeves. But, yeah, at the moment, yeah. just with Harry and Shear, that forward line is is mm. singing. And Sermon as well. Kate Sermon I was about to... S- yeah, I, I yeah. 100% agree. I was going to say, I, I love the addition of Sermon. Like, yeah. I know that you, you'd probably look at her, you know, stat line in this game and, and, and say maybe, you know... But, but this to me was like a perfect game for her. 15 touches, yeah. kicked a goal, actually had three clearances, a goal assist. She's just added that sort of buzzy little pressure forward yeah. um, role, so like type of player to Geelong's forward 50. And it probably is something that, you know, to an extent we really needed. It was sort of time to complement players like Parry and Shear uh, Shelly Scott and now with Ashley Maloney, like the the taller, medium-sized to tall players with one of those genuine, buzzy, creative, pressure, small forwards mm. like Sermon and super jazzed to see her kick a goal against her own, her old team. Oh, uh, just have a stat for you, Johnny, on Chloe Bring Shear. Bring on the stat. So, uh, so prior to this season, she'd had 201 kicks in AFLW footy for 34 goals. So 16% of her kicks uh, in her career had been goals. This year, she's had 18 kicks, 10 goals. So 55% of her <laughs> kicks have been goals this season. More than half of the time, she's getting rid of the ball by Good. foot. It's going through the big sticks. So um, she's absolutely on fire. Her career high was last year, 13 goals in 11 games. She's already 10 goals, one behind in four games this year. So, um, all things being equal, she should clear 20 goals with ease, uh, which Easily. is I, – I, I was looking at all the scores uh, from the weekend, Johnny, and it just seems like scoring everywhere is up across the league. Like y- y- Absolutely. It, it seems like both teams, e- even the Cats winning by 28 points, you know, 70 to 42 in a game that, you know, probably had an hour of actual gameplay with the way the clock runs and all that sort of thing. It's it's just crept up. I mean, look, you still get scores occasionally, like the Hawks and D's, which was seventy to eleven. But apart from that, you're starting to get a rate of scoring that's that's beginning to be fairly comparable to to the men's game. Um, oh, absolutely. And yeah. and like you know, you think about Port, you know, five goals, twelve. It could have been a lot closer. Um, could have been a whole lot closer. Yeah. And yes, yeah, still still early days for this league as well like just remember it's mm. still very very early days there's still you know players coming through won't mm. have had as much time playing in their younger days as the men's men's do but it's going to be all, another the development paths and a all few, that it's only what another 10 maybe eight years once we start really starting mm. to get those players that have played from a very young age, gone from Auskick and then continued to play all the way through. So 
Mm. Yeah, it's only a few more years before we really start getting those super general, genuine superstars mm. coming through all levels. So it's probably even closer, probably even like maybe four years away, yeah. even closer. Because um, we're already starting to see that, you know, in, in leagues like the VFLW, like this mm. year, you, you know, you're just starting to look at players and go, I mean, it's it's at both levels, VFLW and AFLW, but like just players that you're going, yep, you grew up playing footy, you grew up kicking a footy, yeah. um, you know, and it, and it's it's so exciting. And I think, as I said, that the scoring, when you look at it, like I think when, and not that the scoring is the be all and end all, we have said for a long time since we started doing this podcast, I, I'll happily watch a 16 to 18 game when, when goals are at a premium, it's still exciting. Yeah. Um, but Absolutely. It's, it's more that now you look at the, the flow of scoring is really representative of a flow of quality play. When you have a game, yeah. you know, like the, the the Cats and Port, you know, there was some nice ball movement from both sides in a 70 to 42 game. There was some really nice ball movement, you know, in games like when the Gold Coast beat the Dogs 48 to 44 or Richmond beat Carlton 47 to 40. It's there's just some really good footy being played, um, and and it's really exciting. I, I want to chat Johnny about some of the midfielders. I feel like we've talked in previous episodes about the the back line. We've talked pretty heavily about the forwards. Yeah. Um. Tonight, start with Becky Webster. Your thoughts on her returning to the action? Had twenty seven, um, disposals. I'll, I'll just get up her full stats. Uh, Becky Webster, twenty seven disposals. Three marks, four tackles, 376 metres gained, which was the second most for the Cats. What did you think about Becky Webster, game one, back in the hoops? Pretty, pretty good. But just sort of what we needed coming back into it. Um, uh, Yeah, very, very solid first game back. A lot of disposals, lots of metres gained. The only thing that... Sort of does go against her was her disposal efficiency, which was down to 55.6, which isn't horrible and but isn't where she would be wanting it to be. But first game back, I don't think you could have asked for much more. She brought that heat, she brought that knowledge, that experience, it just brought a bit more calmness to the team, I, I think, especially when Port were getting that momentum back. You could just tell there's that another level head out there just to steady the troops and tell them, you know, it's, it's all right, we'll, we'll fight, we'll find a way back into this. So, yeah, I'm very happy with how she came back in and played a really solid first game back from a pretty serious injury. So things can only get better from here. And we know what kind of player she is and she's a very professional player and is going to go about training just as hard and working on all the things that she needs to work on. So I expect this coming game, she's going to be even better. Yeah. And I, and I believe that was an equal career high disposals in a game. Um, pretty good. Yeah. 27 disposals on, on her return. Yeah. As you said, the disposal efficiency was down a bit, but around what she was in 2022, it's come down a little bit since she's been, not only gaining more of the ball, but um, also gaining more meters too. Mm. You know, if you look at her stats, you know, her, as her meters gained has gone up, 
you know, across her career, the, the disposal efficiency has slid a little bit, which is, you know, you can kind of excuse that. She's probably playing a slightly less conservative role and they're trying to encourage her to take the ball and kick it long and move it long and drive the attack from the wing, you know, half back sort of flank area, yeah. you know, into the forward half. No, I, I'm with you. I liked her game a lot. It was great to see her back out there. As you said, probably a little bit of rust to, um, to knock off. But yep. great for her to get such a big game. I think she had ninety-one percent time on ground, which was good. Yeah. Um, so Rusty well and truly it, knocked off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we'll probably get to Nina Morrison shortly uh, in the next segment of the show. But I thought she was absolutely outstanding. Thirty-two disposals yep, yes. at sixty-five point five percent. Five marks, three tackles. Two clearances, two goal assists, and a goal herself. I feel like Nina Morrison is delivering, and you know, this isn't saying that you know she's she's fallen short of what she was. The thing is, she's had that horrible injury early in her career, multiple horrible injuries. Yep. You know, after looking so promising when she initially burst onto the scene, what I mean is she's delivering on the promise of her her early form in her career. She's finally looks healthy. She finally looks like she's got mm. full health, trust in her body that everything's going to hold together, knock on wood. Um, I know, Johnny, I thought she's been pretty exceptional this season and this game uh, just continued that. I thought she was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Another outstanding game and another one of those players that gets sort of looked over in this star studded midfield and mm. you know, you don't you don't look out for Nina Morrison, she'll get you and she definitely got the power this week. What a what a absolute brilliant game by her. Just yeah, dominant dominant in every aspect of the game and yeah, it's just just so good to see her be able to build on last year and then come this year is it's just building again and again and each week she just seems to be getting better and better and more confident in herself and getting goals which is what we wanted you know even if it is just one goal a game it's still a goal a game which is mm. you can't really ask yeah. much more of that from a player so yes like a midfielder like her yeah couldn't be happier and her working with Brisparkus and Amy McDonald in that midfield and Rebecca Webster now is it's, it's such a potent midfield mm. um especially yeah just just the way they all work well work so well together and they don't seem to get in each other's way which is really mm. positive because i think early on in the season well i think it was a couple of games might have been the north melbourne game in the sydney game you could see mm. them sort of just getting each other's way every now and then but i think this week they seemed to know where each other was and Yes, she's she's a special player. She's gonna be something, something, something good coming for the cats with Nina Morrison, Prisparkus, McDonald, and they're also still so young. So that's the even more exciting yeah. part. Is Nina Morrison's still a very young player? It's not that not that old, and can only get better alongside good mate Prisparkus. So yeah. Fantastic. Really loving and watching her play. And hopefully she just keeps getting better. It's, it's great. 
It's crazy. You know, you look at Nina Morrison's age. She's only 22, turning 23 um, this year. So, like, just now starting to approach that. Um, that prime. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, and and you think about Prosparcus, you know, being in that same kind of boat. Amy McDonald is only 25. So that midfield brigade is in such a good spot. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so much reason to be optimistic. I was just looking at, you know, Nina Morrison, and there's so many cats that are in this boat right now. They are on pace to... All you know, so many of them have career best seasons. You know, Nina Morrison's averaging yeah. 24 disposals through four weeks. Previous best was 2022. Sorry, her previous best was 22 disposals per game, but that was in one game in 2019. In ga- in seasons where she's played six or more games, um, she's averaged 13 disposals, 13 disposals, and 16 disposals. So, uh, you know, she's on pace to smash disposals. She's on pace to. to be more efficient with those disposals, to have more tackles, to have more clearances, to kick more goals. And you just look at so many players in this Cats lineup that are in a similar boat. It it's it feels like, you know, and obviously we all want it to be there right now. We all want, you know, we, we want to go into games and we want to beat North Melbourne. We want to, we'd all love to knock off the Ds, you know, this oh, yes. weekend. Um, or this Thursday night, but you know, we also have to be patient. It's only, you know, we're only (laughs) 18 months removed, you know, two years removed from, from being one of the cellar dweller teams in the competition. So bit of patience. It is developing. The players are developing. The talent is in the building. That's what's exciting. The talent is in the building. The foundations are laid and, and now we get to watch it all unfold. Uh, let's do some votes, Johnny. Let's do oh, our I'll votes just, and I, then get into our month. Did, yeah, yeah, go. There was, um, I think it was against the North Melbourne, uh, North Melbourne game when commentators were talking about the Cats and North Melbourne and the saying how the Cats have North Melbourne and Cats are so different. Where North Melbourne went out <clears throat> and got the proven stars, these superstars of the game that were ready made, so to mm. go for flags, go for premierships. And they said the cats, mm. on the other hand, have gone very local, gone local, got all the local players. May not have been superstars when they first drafted, but they're starting to build into a superstar team. And I think it's the right way to go. The way the cats built compared to North Melbourne, I think the cats' way is much better because we're getting these young local superstars playing for this team that are not going to want to leave. and very slowly but surely building to premiership success. And I think if you're North North team, you'd expect a flag either this year or even last year or a year before with the team they've got. So good on the Cats for sticking by their guns and going, you know what, we're going to build our way to Geelong, the Geelong way, the same way AFL-M does it, AFL-W does it, because they're just one team and that is, let's just keep it local. And our local talent is mm. good enough to beat anyone, and it's getting there, and it's looking it's, it's very exciting. Can't wait. Yeah, I, you know, I, I look, I get very frustrated watching North Melbourne beat us 
because I, oh, yes. I I don't rank them as a premiership contender personally. Not 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 on the same tier. I've got Brisbane, the Crows, and the D's yep. as the three really obvious ones. North are in the next chasing group, but I really don't think they have nearly as high a ceiling as the three teams above them or a lot of teams around them. The thing is, they are able to grind you. I find it not a great yeah. style of footy to watch. Um, but anyway, let's get into some votes, John. Did you, um, quickly, one more thing. Did you want to go through yeah. our predictions from last week? See let's how well do we it went. on the preview pod. Let's do it All on right. the preview pod. All right. And 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 we'll we'll announce what we got wrong and what we got right before we do our picks for this week. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm hoping we got some right. Um, I tell you what, it's. <laughs> I will say we did bloody well. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Um, let's get into the votes then. I will lead us off. It's tricky. Uh, a tricky one. I ended up going with... Uh, what was I going to say? I ended up going with <laughs> one vote for Amy McDonald. Nice. Uh, I went two votes for Chloe Shear, kicked four goals no. straight uh, from eight disposals, and I went three votes for Nina Morrison. I thought she was best on ground, 32 touches, a goal, five marks, three tackles, a couple of clearances, two goal assists. Uh, pretty hard to play much better than that. Chris Barkas, yeah. unlucky to miss out for me. What about you, Johnny? Well, can't really argue with that. So I will basically similar because I've just got one. One difference, then, is I'm giving one vote to Chloe Shear, two votes to Amy McDonald, and my three votes are going to Neil Morrison as well. Love it, Johnny. I mean, like I said, Prospark is so unlucky. Mm. Two miss out, 21 touches, a goal, nine tackles, five clearances. Kate Sermon was uh, hanging around my votes for a bit there as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. There's a few players but, there who, when you've only got the three to give, it's it is tough. Um, but it's hard yeah. to argue against those three. They, those three definitely had exceptional games. Absolutely. All right, that's it for the public part of the show. We're going to now go into the Patreon subscribers uh, parlor to unload the month in review. If you want to listen to that, it's $3.50 US per month over on Patreon, the Chaps Chat Cats. You get extended shows like this one, the video versions of the podcasts, and during the season, VFL men's and VFL women's coverage as well. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Until next time, go Cats! Go Cats!